Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Praise God. Now that's our theme today. And I want this praise team, don't, don't go out, don't get a milkshake or anything. Just be ready to come right back up here in just a minute because we're going to sing that as our final theme today. It's the word of the Lord for this service. This is July, folks. We have a great crowd, lots of guests. This is a wonderful day. But more important than anything else, the Holy Ghost is here working in our midst. Hallelujah. Now, I've been preaching camp meeting all week, the greatest camp meeting in the world. <laughs> no, there were a lot of camp meetings going on. Uh, my sister was at camp meeting in Arkansas. We were in camp meeting here in Georgia. We were, but I wasn't. And uh, I was in Rhode Island. My hotel was in Massachusetts. Then I'd have to drive over every, every day and go into Rhode Island and uh, had to eat every day right on the ocean there. Just somebody had to do it. And so we've been having a great time, and uh, it's been a great week. Are you thankful? Amen. Georgia camp was fabulous. I've heard great things. Already got tapes. Folks have already got me tapes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I didn't have to buy them myself. And so thank you for supporting uh, the district and making it a profound week of anointing. And I feel that anointing right here, right now. Praise God. And so we're going to remember to pray for Brother Woodward. How many understand what I'm saying? We don't bring men in and then just forget about them. We bring them into the district. It's our responsibility. I want you to raise your hand and say, if you're going to pray for Brother Woodward, put it in your mind. I'm going to pray for him today and, and throughout this day. Amen. Now, while you're standing, grab your Bibles. I wanted to tell you that we had several miraculous things happen. And I don't have a lot of voice, but that's just the way it's going to be. So I was preaching on Friday. I had the morning. And, uh, and then brother from Pensacola, Florida, uh, what's his name? Brother Kinsey was there in the preaching at night and the Holy ghost moved that Friday morning and the district secretary, I mean, the Holy ghost came down. We had, they made me, uh, this is the first time I've been in a meeting where the, I, I only, I'm not used to teaching for nearly three hours. I mean, in a row, I'm like, even my tongue was hanging out. But I told him, I said, well, I'm not going to do that today. They, they said, no, that's what it's allotted, three whatever hours. And I said, well, I feel like <laughs> I don't think we're going to go three hours. And they said, no, you're going three hours. And so we got done, and the Holy Ghost was so powerful that brother, the district secretary, Brother Horn, who pastors in Rhode Island, not Massachusetts, had uh, broken his wrist or done something to his wrist. People, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Healings begin to fall. Brother Horn said immediately that wrist had been like that for months. All of a sudden was instantly healed by the power of God. We serve a mighty God that is able to, and somebody needs to receive that today. There was a couple there that came up to me. I was preaching about the great revival in China and the millions of people that are getting baptized in China. And this Chinese couple came up to me and they, they could speak. He was, uh, God, so I don't know how many PhDs. And he said that he is in one of our churches there and that they have been sending broadcasting into China and God is pouring the Holy Ghost out just through an internet broadcast where they're having Bible studies with people. And then my driver, I want to get to the word, but I want to tell you this, my driver! Did that sound anointed? My driver! I'd get picked up every day and so did the rest of them. The rest of the speakers. My driver, I got to talking to him, and I said, well, how did, you get, how did you get into this church? And he said, well, I was studying to, to be a Buddhist priest. 
And the Holy Ghost fell on me. Hallelujah. So, folks, you're in the right place. This is the place where the anointing is falling. Praise God. So, of course, we're going to pray for the Northeast. We're going to pray for Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Since I was up there, not I preached there in the last few years. But when I first went up there, that area now has four times as many churches as it had when I was there years ago. And if we did that in Georgia, we would now have almost 300 churches. So God is moving and stirring the Northeast, and it's all because of prayer and preaching the word. Now, turn with me to the Gospel of John. I want to read two separate verses, one in chapter 4, one in 5. So we're in, Gospel, we're in John chapter 4, and I want to call these, uh, these two miracles that I'm going to talk about, miracle number 2 and 3. Everybody say 2 and 3. All right. Can you stand with me? Can we stand together for the word? All right. So we're looking at and then we're just going to be a second. We're just going to read a couple verses. John four and five. And we're beginning in verse 48 of chapter four. Then said Jesus unto him. This is the story of the nobleman's son. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. And I'm just jumping into the middle of it. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Right. So that's I'm jumping into the middle of a rather lengthy story. You, unless you see us amazing miracle, you won't believe the nobleman said unto him, sir, come down ere my son die. In other words, I, I received the rebuke, but I am still keeping my faith out here. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy son liveth. And the man believed the word. I say the man believed the word. That Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Now, immediately following this, flip the, if you need to flip the page, go into chapter 5. This is the second miracle. So we looked at the second miracle, and now we're going into the third, miracle number 2 and 3. Miracle number 1 was the water being turned into wine. So John has given us three miracles. We're not preaching on the first one. Everyone say, praise the Lord. All right. We're not preaching on the first miracle. We're preaching on 2 and 3. So he goes to... Uh, the pool of Bethesda where the sick were placed and they were waiting for an angel to trouble the water. So let's look at verse 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. I've got news for the devil. I don't care how long you've been bound. I don't care how long it's been. And I don't care how deep you are in sin. God is bigger than the devil. And he's getting ready to take care of it. When Jesus saw him lie or laying we would say laying there now, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? This Greek word is thelis, uh, which means do you desire it? Is, it? is this what you really want? That's another way to say it. Do you really want to be made whole? Now, I want you to lay your Bibles down, and I want us to pray. I'm preaching a message today entitled, Believing Jesus for Your Miracle. Now, let's pray together right now. Let's ask God. Come on, pray with me, saints. Come on, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, we come on behalf of... Lord, right now, of each soul in this building, right here in this place right now, Lord, you want to do a mighty work 
in their lives. Reveal yourself to them. Open hearts. Lift us from a world of sin into the kingdom of God. And Lord, touch each one and with your mighty power and glory. And we believe you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for standing and being patient. Believing Jesus for your miracle. This is a church that believes in the power of God. And it is genuine. It is real. Someone said, well, only dumbbells believe in things like that. Well, I've got news for you. There's a whole lot of folks that believe in things like that. And they're not dumbbells. There is, it doesn't matter, by the way. We're in a world where they make fun of you for your skin color. They make fun of you for the amount of money you make. They make fun of you if you can't sing a certain way. We're in a world where everything is out of order. But I've got an answer for you. And that is a Jesus that is full of power and miracles. The underlying message of the Apostle John was that Jesus was no mere man. Jesus was not just a man. Now, I know the devil intends to keep you away from God, but he cannot do it. You can break that hold by believing what Jesus says. He could take the water at will in the wedding at Cana. He could take water and turn it into wine. Do you know what kind of business that would be if that was the family business? He could turn water into wine, and that was the very first miracle. And John has all these interesting uh, events swirling around certain seven distinct miracles. The other gospels just list them by the gobs, but John only wants to talk about seven, and I'm talking about miracle number two and miracle number three. Now, I'm mentioning the first miracle. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Everyone said, I knew he was going to sneak that in. All right. So the question is not what he can do, but what will you do? If you think any old religious notion is fine, you will never have your answer. If you think it doesn't matter what anybody believes or it doesn't even matter if there is a God or not, then you will remain exactly where you are. This world is destroying lives by the millions. Think of your friends that you know and that I know. They might not, make, they might not be mutual friends, but think of the friends that we have that are being affected right now. I talked to a girl just this week that got onto math because her father gave it to her when she was 12. But guess what? She's not on meth. She has been delivered by the power of God. God has done the miracle. Hallelujah. I was talking to a young man up in Rhode Island as well that was bound by drugs and could not find his way out. But God is the deliverer. Hallelujah. If you think the devil is okay and you think the world is fine with all the racism and all of the ungodliness, then welcome to it. But I've got an answer for you that is better than anything this world can even talk about. Praise God. Now the second miracle recorded by John that we are now talking about was that of a nobleman's boy who was, the Bible says in verse 47, was at the point of death. 
the critical moment. This is basically what I'm talking about. I'm speaking. So if you're not familiar with preachers that run around and jump and so on, I'm talking, I'm using the point of death of a human child as a symbol of where our culture is today. Our culture is in complete disarray. So the critical moment came when the nobleman came to Jesus and Jesus rebuked him in a very gentle way. I know that this sounds a little harsh, but it is true. And he says to him when he said, my son's at the point of death. And Jesus said, unless you see a miracle. Now I'm paraphrasing. Unless you see something wondrous, you won't believe. Now, of course, he wasn't referring only to that man's faith because that man's faith broke out of that mold and said that he wanted to believe. But Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. But the father did not allow a gentle rebuke to cause him to flinch at God's purpose. God has a plan that is bigger than our understanding. It is bigger, for example, than how much money you make. Now, there are, uh, uh, Jesus had a lot to say about wealth and, and how people think, you know, the minute they're wealthy, that now they're above everybody else. There are people that think because of who they are, they're better than other people. And that, of course, is not true. All of us are equal before God. Everyone say, praise the Lord. And if we're equal before God, we should be equal in the sight of one another. But, of course, that's, a, that's going to be another world. It's called heaven. This world is so full of, uh, of prejudice and problems that people can't get past it. And then they try to justify it uh, with uh, religious notions. But this father said, no, I think I will go ahead and trust every word, Lord, you have said. Hallelujah. He had come because of Jesus' reputation of healing. And you wouldn't be here today, of course, if you, you knew this was a church. Now, you may not have known. You may not have known everything, but you came to the house of God. They came to see Jesus because he had a reputation. And if all you're looking for is a miracle, Jesus was saying, then you might as well go back. That was his implication. It is not about the sounds. It's not about the music. It's not about walking up there into that baptistry. Water itself cannot do it, but repentance and faith can do it. You say in your heart, you say, uh, well, I can't do it. I, I I have no ability. No, you can't. That's why you have to have faith in someone who can do it. You have to have faith in someone who can do it. Someone said, well, I worship the wind or I worship this tree or I whatever. But you see, the problem here is uh, people worship as they choose. But when you preach the gospel, you are now saying, now, wait a minute. It's time for us to come to the one who has the power to do what I need him to do. And the nobleman, which is sort of like saying the mayor, not exactly, but I'm I'm just trying to relate it a little bit. He was a, a, a big shot. He had come to Jesus and in spite of all of his abilities and his position. And Jesus says to him, you've got to move past the things, the miracles, the thing that you are hoping for. 
Let, let's, let's go back just a moment. In other words, your son needs heal, but you can't just come because your son needs heal. You can't just come because it's a gimme, gimme world. You can't just walk in and say, well, I need a million dollars. Hey, my friend, if your motive is wrong, you are wrong. It is only when you say, Jesus, I've come because I know who you are and I recognize you for who you are. Hallelujah. If you recognize him for who he is. See, if you think you're God and you're just going to live and breathe and it's just going to be wonderful and you're just going to die like a dog and, and end up in, a, in the dirt somewhere and that's all there is to life, then you are mistaken. There is a God that holds the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when you come to him, I'm talking to somebody right now. You've been moving toward believing and I'm telling you today, believe Jesus for the miracle that you need. Somebody in this place is getting ready to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost because they're believing God. They're believing God. This leader had made up his mind and there it is. You don't get in the water to be baptized. Now I want to say this. I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost. I told the Lord, Lord, I can't say that. He said, you say what I tell you to say. So I'm saying it. You are endangering yourself. If you step into the waters of baptism and you have not repented of your sins. I wouldn't want to be caught anywhere near a baptistry. And I preach baptism from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. But you've got to repent and believe God before you step in a watery grave. Okay, I, I, okay, okay, Lord, all right. I need to, I need to, Lord, help me. All right. Are all the kids, not all the kids are upstairs. Um. The analogy would be, Brother Grady, I'll tell to you that way I can calm down just a little, okay? What would happen if you took a person that hadn't died and you buried him? What would that be? That'd be murder. Now, I'm a little claustrophobic. Yesterday coming home, I was very claustrophobic because... Uh, you know, they make planes this big, and then they put 500 seats in them. The plane's that big, you could do it like that and, and fly it. And, 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 of course, rushing and whatever, I was, I was like on seat 970, or whatever it was. And it was way back there. Now, I know there's as much room in the back as the front. Well, I'm not sure of it, but surely there is. It may be that in the back, it, maybe it gets narrower and the seats get littler and littler. Not actually sure. Now, going to Guam, uh, I thought that was, I don't know. I don't know why it seemed so different. Because I was with you and it just seemed, it was like heaven. So that was different. But, but just think of someone, the re, there's a reason that you don't bury people alive. If you're still in sin, 
and you don't care about your sin and you're not committed to the sin remitter, you need to keep yourself out of a baptistry. When we tell our children in Sunday school, we say to them, we're not baptizing you until you understand the gospel. Praise God. You know, it, th this is good for the saints too, not just folks that need to repent. Hallelujah, Brother Finch, you're doing some good preaching. It's time for us to realize that repentance is the foundation of faith. And we say, this is my faith. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's developing a desire in their soul. I need an answer. It may take your son. It may take your baby. And God drawing you. Someone said, I don't know what it is, but now that I have 12 kids, I, I just feel like I need to get closer to God. I will say that maybe because you do. Having those babies start making you see the world a little different. For, for many, I wish it were true for everyone. But I'm telling you today that when you begin moving toward faith, hallelujah, all eyes were on Jesus and this very well-known nobleman as he stood there and Jesus said, everybody wants a miracle. What do you want? There was a leader there that had made up his mind. Lord, please come down to my house. I'm desperate and I'm not going to miss the opportunity of believing Jesus for what he can do for me. Praise God. And that's exactly the spirit that is in this place today. So you and I recognize that it's not about the miracles. It's about the miracle worker. Can we lift our hands and thank him for what he's able and what he is going to do here in the house of God today? You must repent and you must believe. Of course, someone who does not believe can't repent. Because repentance is foundational upon believing. If you don't believe, if you claim you're repenting, but you don't actually believe, that's not true repentance. If you say, I'll do whatever I want, nobody can tell me what to do, that is not repentance. Repentance is saying, I will do whatever God wants me to do. My son is at the point of death. What I need now is to believe the answer, the one that can give me the answer. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Come on, saints, pray with me right now. Let's intercede a little bit. I need an answer. My baby's going to die. He's at the point of death. He's not going to make it, and I need an answer. Well, what are you going to do? Do you want a miracle, or do you want the miracle worker? If you want Jesus, then you've got your miracle. That is your miracle. There's not a devil that can keep you from your miracle. Someone says, well, I have a triple PhD. Well, how do you do? Doesn't matter how smart you are. Someone said, well, I, I've got so much education and I know so-and-so. I'm glad you know them and this is not disrespect, but I'm trying to break something down here. There comes a place you have to say, my son's dying and I need an answer and I'm breaking past all of this. Praise God. Get your eyes off the world and get on your knees and cry out to Jesus. Without repentance, you remain a sign seeker. But believe Jesus and turn from your sin. Repent of your sin. Of course, repent is just the Greek word for turn. You've got to turn away from it. 
We turn from it. Someone said, well, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I've, been, I've lived like this. And so what if I can't do it? What if the drugs pull me back in? That's faith. You have to have faith that God will do what he said he would do. There are millions and millions and millions and millions. Someone said, I don't know if I can receive the Holy Ghost. I speak several languages, but I want to tell you right now, I learned all of those. But one day I got a Holy Ghost that caused me to speak in tongues that I didn't learn. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the fire of the Holy Ghost. And it will shake the foundations of hell. When you repent, it will shake hell itself. Now, the beautiful thing is, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Jesus didn't go to his house. Because before that would be necessary, Jesus just said, he didn't say these words, but this is what happened. You've now demonstrated your faith. I see your faith. I don't need to go to your house. Praise God. Is anybody glad God knows exactly how to handle it? There are folks here today, and I'm talking to two levels of people here. Some of you really need a miracle, and some of you need the miracle of Christ himself. So I'm really talking on both of those levels. But this, this nobleman demonstrated his faith, and Jesus said, go, you go, your son is healed. And then the story unfolds, and I've, I've preached that many times. I'm not going to preach it over today. But it, that story unfolds. But the, the fact of the matter is that here was a, a, a cry, come to my house. Because in, in his mind, you'd have to go there. But I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't have to go anywhere. He's everywhere. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it. He knows you better than you know yourself. You think you're going to get away from God? You're never going to get away from God. Hallelujah. So the heart of repentance and faith. Oh, your, sin, your son's healed. That heart of faith was enough. He had believed Jesus for his miracle. Immediately after this miracle, then the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. So I'm looking at two miracles at one time. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Now here is a very controversial in theological realm, the miracle of the angel troubling the waters at the pool of Bethesda. There were massive crowds. I don't know the number. I've heard so many different numbers that who cares? The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Pool of Bethesda is only so big. If someone tells you there was a million people there, uh, well, that'd be interesting. The Pool of Bethesda only holds so many people. But anyway, so there they were. But that's a lot of people. And they were all standing around. And the Bible said they were waiting for an angel. I'm, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I want the musicians to come out. Just slip in very quietly. Don't, don't, you don't have to do anything. Just come on. I don't want to hold anybody longer than we have to. It's July. I understand that. So immediately Jesus sees these, all of these people. And the angel, they, would, they knew their faith was in an angel. And I'm not knocking that. I, I'm not knocking the fact. I, not one bit. I'll tell you, I've had, uh, my, I've, I've had uh, experience with cancer and, and all kinds of sickness personally in our family. I've seen it many, many times as a pastor. Situations that seemed impossible. And so when you're in the situation, if it's an angel and the water's being troubled, then you wait for that. You do what you have to do. Sometimes the doctor will say, well, it's, uh, it's going to take this. And I'm not suggesting that you put your trust only in a doctor. But you would be, of course, a fool to disregard 
expert medical attention. But you'd also be a fool to ignore divine ability. <laughs> He's not only telling us that we can, we can use whatever resources, if it's, a, if it's a pool and if it's an angel, but I'm still going to trust God for my need today. Someone ought to lift their hand right now and say, Lord, that's me. I'm believing God. I'm not accepting the doctor's final verdict. I don't care if the doctor has signed off. I'm still trusting God. That angel may not get here till next July, but I'm putting my trust in God. And he looked over that crowd of sick people waiting for the troubling of the water. And then he went directly to one man. Now, I don't want to uh, get into the weeds here on this, but this is very, very, very powerful in my mind. Here were all of these sick people. Now, every once in a while, uh, someone will say to me, well, meaning they don't give a wit about it. Uh, it like I will say, God healed so-and-so. Why didn't God heal everybody in the world? That's what you call complete... Just think of it. God just healed someone. Completely healed them. And they're still so full of disbelief. I'm not saying they ought to believe uh, the, all the Bible and believe everything Jesus said. But here's a man that had cancer. And he's healed completely. There's no cancer. It's gone. There's no explanation. Here's a baby that was not even given so many days to live. Stories go on and on, but I, I, I hasten on. But the, so the fellow says, um, I said, God, I was trying to help him understand that God was real. And instead of saying, well, this man is healed, that's his testimony, he just turns his back and says, well, why doesn't God heal everybody? So in other words, he's not going to believe in God unless the world's perfect. And I said, there's a problem here. The, it's called sin. And that sin is what's caused this cancer because sickness came into the world through sin. And sin is what's causing disbelief. So both what he needed and what you need are exactly the same thing, is belief in the God that can break it all down. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel something powerful in the house today. God is wanting to do in your life after all of these years he went directly to one man who'd been there and tried to get into that water. Here's how it worked. And I'm almost, I'm almost done. Y'all, praise God. We're almost there. Now, 38 years is a long time. Sister Finch, will, will we be 41 years? 41? In August? So we're only talking about, what, 30? Can you do math real fast? 30? No, no, it's 41 years, but how many days till we'll have 41 years behind our liability? So today is, hurry, I'm preaching, uh, 14 days. No, it's 25, the 25th of, you got to take the 25, okay, here we go, 25 days in August. And then today is what? The 14th, 45 days. We'll have been married 41 years. Seems like yesterday. All right? But let me tell you. 41 years is 41 years. And if you're lame, the King James calls it impotent, incapable of even walking or moving. I just can't understand people that don't want people to have a miracle. I 
just don't understand it. I was in Ethiopia, and I've told this before, and I'm not saying it because it's another nation, but I, I was there, and I saw with my own eyes people that were bound and could not move, and all of a sudden, their arms would stretch out, their feet would stretch, and they would begin to walk and praise God. I saw miracles there with my own eyes I'd never seen anywhere in the world. Of course, millions being filled with the Holy Ghost. Why would anybody not I can't even hear a baby cry and not feel some empathy. There's just something about walking into a hospital and there's a little baby suffering and and not want God to be able to heal that baby. And then to say, well, if he doesn't heal everybody, let them all die. What What kind of a mindset? I'll tell you what it is. It's a mindset that is so distorted that it can't see past itself. So he looked down and there was a man so he had to be up. He's, he's probably at least my age. I'm just going to guess that. Unless he went there as a, as a baby, and that's not very likely. 38 years, a long time, and he couldn't get into the water because it worked like this. If the water started moving, and here's the controversy in theology because, see, theologians are so smart, they, they, they're not smart. So if the water began to move, They would have to get into the water. And if they got into the water, then the angel had the power to heal them. This is something that's brand new in my theological. The Lord's been really dealing with me about it. Now, I don't think you can see an angel around every corner. And you shouldn't want to see an angel around every corner. But the idea that God can't send angels, I'm going to tell you, I'm feeling holy. I'm almost hungry. There are angels in this place right now. They're in this house today. You say, we're not worthy. That's right. We're not worthy, but they're here because the blood has made us worthy. We are trusting God. Somebody ought to grab your miracle here today. Jesus, I believe you for my miracle. I believe you for my miracle. You see, I'm not used to preachers preaching like that. I'm not used to church being emotional like that. Just think about all the people that have been healed. How many have been healed in this building? You were ever healed. Look at that. This is a believing church. Believing Jesus for your miracle. Think of it. An angel had been troubling that water and every year healing came. But the God of that angel was standing right in the middle of the pool of Bethesda. And that same God is here today. He wants to give you the answer that you need for your life. So this would be a good day to step out because the waters are troubled, but not by the angel. Thank the Lord for that angel. And he's still alive. I'm not, it's not, no shame on you. But God is here today giving us the answers that we need. I'd like us to stand, shall we? We're going to sing this song one more time. This is our theme. And uh, they can start it slowly. Here's what I would like us to do. I'd like us to tell the devil that he's a liar. We have a desire to be made whole. 
and we are reaching out by faith. And Jesus says to him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And then instantaneous healing begin to flow into his body. So I'm calling out today to you to turn your eyes upon the Lord. Now you do that by saying, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. And I'm going to tell him. And I'm going to ask God. Say, I don't have enough faith. Well, the way to start with that is to just step out, step into the altar. And the altar is a place where God will meet with you. He's not going to meet with you at the club. You're going to have to find a place to pray. And there's no better place than an altar of the house of God. So saints, would you step out and guess if you want to come? There's no, there's no trick here. I just would love you to come and be with us as we pray this final prayer. And they're, they're going to begin singing. I want you to believe the Lord today. Turn from sin. Repent with a sincere heart. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. And then I promise you, heaven will open itself. The kingdom will come to you. Hallelujah. It'll come right down into your heart. But remember, it must be faith. Believe in Jesus himself. Not a substitute. That's it. Come on, saints, keep coming. Make your way. Just gather right as close as we can. That's it. Now lift your hands. We're going to pray together. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. We're gathered for prayer, Lord. And the miracle. Somebody's at the altar. And they're nowhere. Their son is at the point of dying. But we're trusting God. That's it. You've got a need. I want you to just tell him about it right now. Lord, I've got a need. And I'm giving it to you. Trust him for your name. 